The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 268. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, where we talk about applying high leverage psychology in your business and life. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, licensed psychologist, private practice owner, speaker, executive coach, and consultant. I became a psychologist to learn how to leverage psychology and help others do the same. For over a decade, I've been tracking how psychology gets in the way of smart and results-driven people. For years, I've developed frameworks and tools to help them leverage psychology instead to launch themselves forward. It's my mission to share my hard-earned lessons with you so you can launch yourself forward too. I can't wait to talk high leverage psychology with you so you can learn to take higher leverage action today. Let's talk high leverage psychology. Last week in episode 267, I unpacked an unconscious habit that negatively impacts mood and seriously hinders growth. Plus, I uncovered two ways to leverage it for your benefit. Today, I'm talking about one sneaky assumption that undermines relationships of all kinds, marriage, family, friends, and business alike. It's the one assumption that logically leads to taking the kinds of actions that can sabotage or ruin relationships. Just like I talked about back in episode 265, where I unpacked how compromise secretly undermines relationships. And if you changed just one assumption, one belief, it could all go away, which paves the way to create more rich, fulfilling, and productive relationships of all kinds. Ready to dive in? Let's go. I see it all the time, in my office, in my community, and when I'm traveling. And once I understood what's going on, it's like I entered the matrix. I can't unsee it anymore. But before I share, and you also get to see what I see, we need to unpack three ideas about relationships, and then we'll tie all three threads back together with a simple framework you can apply immediately. Ready? It all starts with games. I know what you're thinking. What do games have to do with relationships? Back in 1986, the late James P. Carse, academic and professor at New York University, published a book about finite and infinite games. He defined a finite game as one that's played for the purpose of winning. It has clear rules, a start, and a finish. There's a victor, a champion, a winner, and there's also a loser. Infinite games, though, are very different. The goal of an infinite game is to continue playing. Infinite games don't have exact rules because everything changes and adapts over time as people play the game. In other words, Players come and go, rules change, and it doesn't have an end. Hence the term infinite game. It's easy to think of finite games, a basketball game, a poker game, a chess game, practically any board game. Infinite games are a different beast entirely. Business, politics, and life are often quoted as infinite games. And it can go even deeper because a single basketball game is a finite game. But sports? That's a bit murkier. Players come and go. How they play the game within the rules can change. And new rules sometimes have to be put in place 
as new technology arises. Compare a championship game from the 1970s to today, and you'll see it clear as day. For example, new training routines to optimize performance or technology like a sneaker, a swimsuit, or golf club that can create superior performance. This is one part of the belief that people hold about relationships. People often treat relationships as finite games, trying to get what they want in the moment, even at a cost to others. But relationships are an infinite game, and the goal is to keep playing it together. How often does a husband ask to go play cards or golf with the guys, and his wife feels like she's being dumped with the kids? It's shocking how often married couples treat their hobbies, wants, and needs like part of a finite game, as if there's a winner and a loser. So to recap, the first idea about relationships is to frame them as an infinite game. The goal is to keep playing and keep enjoying. People often think and treat relationships as finite, trying to get what they want, to win, and leaving their partner in a losing position. Those games have an end. But what if it isn't the way? Then what can you do? Which brings us to idea number two. The term abundance mindset is often credited to Stephen Covey because of his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he brought the phrase into mainstream personal growth. According to Stephen Covey, an abundance mindset is when we hold the assumption or belief that there are plenty of resources for everyone. The opposite is often called a scarcity mindset, which is when we assume resources are limited. What's interesting is that the reality doesn't actually matter. It's what we believe that matters. When we believe there's plenty for everyone, we feel more relaxed and less threatened when we see someone getting or taking resources, whether that's taking a break, going out with friends, or acquiring clients. From an abundance mindset, we can give freely because there's plenty more where that came from. When we believe resources are in short supply, we're often much more on guard, watchful, and assume that someone else getting something means there's less for us to get in turn. It creates the belief that whenever someone else receives or takes something, we are losing out. From the position of a scarcity mindset, it's all about taking, holding, and hoarding because whoever takes, holds, and hoards is the one with power. And everyone else, they lose. And in relationships, that can be a dangerous assumption because it can create a cutthroat competition between partners who are both trying to grab what they want and need. And that can slide into a finite game mindset where there's a winner and a loser, where there's an end. In other words, an abundance mindset encourages freely giving, while a scarcity mindset can flip into a cutthroat race to take. And just to give you another analogy, if you think about a board game like Hungry Hungry Hippos, it's a good one from my childhood. It's all about how many marbles you can get. It's all about taking and hoarding and keeping. A lot of board games are that way. And when we treat our relationships like that, we are trying to take as much as we can from that relationship, from the other person. It puts us in a really tough position. And ultimately, that's the kind of approach that often lends itself to the game ending at some point or the relationship ending. And that brings us right to idea number three. Would you prefer to play a cutthroat competition every waking moment you're at home with your partner 
What about at work with your colleagues and peers? Taking an abundance mindset and viewing relationships as an infinite game often translates into being highly cooperative instead of competitive. On the other hand, having a scarcity mindset and viewing relationships as a finite game translates into a cutthroat competition to grab and keep as much as possible, just like those hungry, hungry hippos. And here's where it gets really interesting. What I so often see when I'm out and about or working with couples in my practice is one assumption playing out a thousand times in a thousand ways. The assumption that for one partner to receive what they want or need, the other must give up something that they want or need in turn. And I refer to that as pitting. For the husband to go golfing, his wife needs to watch the kids, do the shopping and laundry, and cook dinner. But it's not just in that area. It's in their intimacy, their friendships, their family, and business too. Couples put pressure on each other, pitting what they want against what their partner has to take on or do so that they can have it. And it's a huge source of tension, conflict, turmoil, and big blowups. Or when it comes to family, they have to give a piece of themselves to be a good parent, partner, or sibling. In business, it's very obvious. The entire idea of negotiating has historically been based on trying to give as little as possible and take as much as possible. Though there have been a number of approaches and proponents of taking a different approach, which is much more abundance-oriented of what do we have that we can give each other in a way that doesn't require such a cutthroat game of a winner and a loser that we don't have to compromise or give up something. But coming back to it, all of those are forms of pitting. In essence, people ask each other, here's what I want and I need you to give up whatever you have to so that I can get it. I hope you can see it clearly now with all three of the threads, the ideas brought together. It creates a winner-loser dynamic that's so quintessential to finite games. The goal isn't to keep playing, it's to get what you want and thereby win. It comes from and reinforces the scarcity mindset. For one person to receive, another one must give something up, as if there are limited resources. More for me, less for you. That mindset eliminates the ability to approach what you want or need from the position of there being enough for everyone. And lastly, it's cutthroat competitive instead of cooperative. Because cooperation looks like saying, here's what I want, and let's talk about what you want so we can find a way to make everyone's wishes come true. Welcome to the matrix. Start paying attention, close attention to your language and the language people use around you. The vast majority of people use pitting language, language that frames in terms of short-term, finite, winner-loser dynamic, language that assumes there isn't enough for everyone and someone needs to give in or compromise. Language that competes to grab and get as much as they can for themselves instead of working together to create win-win solutions. And as a bonus, here's an approach you can take to stop pitting in its tracks. It's three simple steps. Step one, put what you want or need on the table. Make it short, simple, and all about yourself. Step two, and this is incredibly important, Invite the other person to put their wants, needs, and even their constraints on the table. Affirm those as equally important. And then comes step three, 
which is what I call the magical how question to find a win-win solution. When you recap steps one and two, affirming all the wants, all the needs, and all the constraints that both of you have together, maybe you even go back and forth a bunch of times to put them all clearly on the table, then you can move forward by asking the magical how question of, okay, now how do we meet everyone's wants and needs while honoring everyone's constraints? You'd be surprised by how much creativity, ingenuity, and richness will show up when you put your heads together cooperatively to keep meeting everyone's wants and needs, which is how you stay in the game together, the infinite game of abundant, cooperative relationships. And on that note, I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you learned something valuable today, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more smart, high-performing, results-driven people like you the ability to learn and apply high-leverage psychology to your business and life. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast is produced by Dr. Yishai and PodTech. Music by www.purple-planet.com. Dr. Yishai is a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with the guest or listener. The information contained in this publication is for general informational purposes only and shall not be relied on or construed as coaching advice or therapy. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thanks again for listening. I hope today's episode fulfilled my mission to help you leverage psychology better in your business and life.